Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Streaming live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch TV. And, of course, also on our live stream, which is available, uh, audio live stream, which is available at MichaelDukeShow.com. Also, broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. It is the Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to the program, the Tuesday edition of the show today. And we are broadcasting on every FM translator and radio station that we can get a hold of to try and bring you the best Latest and greatest on uh, all things related to the state of Alaska. Today is Tuesday, which means it is going to be our deep dive into the uh, into the weeds with Brad Keithley, uh, who is the founder and director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He is going to be coming on board today, and we're going to be talking about the uh, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about the take back of the state house does it happen and if it does what does it mean we're going to talk about the governor's race and uh we're going to talk about how alaska pays for itself going forward in the future so we've got a lot of we got a lot of things to discuss this morning on the program with Brad Keithley he's going to be joining us in uh about uh oh about 12 15 minutes we're going to be jump jumping in with him and he's going to be uh Coming on board to talk with us today in hour two <clears throat> of the broadcast, we're going to talk about living a philosophy of freedom with uh, our positivity guru, Chris Story, who is uh, going to come in. And we touched on this briefly last week. There was an article in the uh, in FEE about uh, living a life philosophy of freedom and what does it mean. And Chris and I thought we would walk through it together and talk about this. This is something that uh, <clears throat> has uh, been on my mind for a little bit here, and I wanted folks to, uh, um, uh, I wanted to, to, I wanted people to, to discuss it. I wanted to think about it. I wanted to, um, um, to come over, and uh, I just wanted to talk about it. So, living a life of liberty. Liberty is a life philosophy, and uh, we will be discussing that today with Chris Story. In hour two, again, trying to live up to the mantra of common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. That's uh, what we're all about here on the program. We're going to start off with some headlines, and there are a few things that I want to talk about uh, here to begin with. Uh, first and foremost, we have gotten the uh, yesterday, uh, or I guess day before, we got another batch of um, uh, election results. <clears throat> From uh, from Saturday, we didn't cover this yesterday, but I wanted to throw those out there and let you know where the continuing election results were coming from. Now, tomorrow is supposed to be the last day 
We won't have all the votes tallied and everything laid in there until tomorrow. And then the certification deadline is September the 2nd. So sometime this week, we should know uh, who is going to be our next congressman or woman for uh, um, <clears throat> for the remainder of Don Young's term. That's the plan here. Uh, the Division of Elections tallied those votes on Friday and then put the results out and they were updated Saturday, according to the ADN. Uh, 190,000 votes have been cast and turnout which is a pretty significant turnout for a primary, uh, turned out uh, so far is at 32%. Now, that's not the highest. I, I would have thought that that was going to be the highest, but the highest turnout was in 2014 when the August election turnout was at 39%. So we got a ways to go. I don't think we're going to hit the, uh, I don't think we're going to hit the record, but it's going to be up there. It's going to be high. The, uh, <clears throat> the state's first ranked choice voting election under a new voting system uh, shows that uh, Democrat Mary Peltola grew her lead and was at 39.6% of the first choice votes so far. She is almost nine points ahead of Republican Sarah Palin, who is at 30.9%, and Nick Begich III trails at 27.8%. Now, write-in candidates have a 1.6% total. <clears throat> so we'll see what happens as those votes get redistributed on August the 31st. Now, it looks like right now, obviously, that Begich is going to be the third place winner. If I mean, something would have to drastically change in the next, uh, well, I don't think it's, it's mathematically, it's not possible. So anyway, 27.8% of those votes went to Nick Begich. The question is, how many people who voted for Begich also ranked Palin second? Um, and that is going to be the, that's going to be the big question. Um, or in the case of me, how many people voted for a write-in first and then Begich second and then Palin third? Because you have to get all the way down into the third points for my votes to count towards Palin at the end. But it's going to be interesting to see where that comes out. Uh, also, the unofficial results for the primary that took place on the same day, the pick one primary, uh, Nancy, excuse me, uh, um, Mary Peltola, had 36.8% of the votes for the primary race. Palin had 30%. Begich had 26th. Um, and fourth place finisher, of course, was Tara Sweeney, but she pulled out of the race. And uh, that means that uh, Chris Bai, the Libertarian, will be in at fourth place with 0.6% of the votes. Lisa Murkowski saw her vote count go up to uh, 45%. With Kelly Shabaka at 38.6, and then Pat Chesbro with 6.8%. Uh, Republican Buzz Kelly uh, had 2.1% of the vote as well. So yesterday we spoke with Kelly Shabaka, and she said she expects that the turnout in the November election will make the difference. That although Murkowski may collect all of the votes from Pat Chesbro, that... Uh, in the long run, there'll be more voters in the, uh, you know, it's a it's an uplift. It's from here, and she's expecting to see more votes come in. Again, 32% registered voters, 191,823 ballots counted as of now with almost uh, 600,000 registered voters in the state. Nothing changed in the governor's race. Governor, Lieutenant Governor 
still with Dunleavy uh, at the head of the pack, followed by Guerra at uh, Dunleavy with 40%, Guerra with 23%, Walker with 22 and then Pierce and Grunewald with 6.6. So that's where we sit um, right now in the races as they lay out for the uh, <clears throat> for the uh, coming few days here until we get the date. Tomorrow's going to be the final count, and then on Friday will be the certification. That's what it's looking like right now. Mayor Charlie Pierce, we had him on the program yesterday, and one of the things that we talked about was the news stories that kept coming out. The Alaska landmine had some kind of uh, inquirer-type story about how this was all – his departure from the borough was all cooked up and everything else. And then the ADN picked it up, and, of course, everybody wants to take a hit and take a shot at the conservative candidates out there, which I find slightly ironic. But in what I find a surprising turn of events, the Kenai Peninsula Borough Attorney – has um, made a comment. And this is kind of some heady stuff. This is some dangerous ground because when it comes to legal battles, when it comes to executive sessions, when it comes to attorney-client privileges, there is a very thin line that you can walk um, that uh, this attorney has done, I think, a pretty good job of uh, talking about. Um, He wrote a letter uh, to... uh, uh, to I think it's an open letter essentially, um, and put it out there to the I think the landmine and some others. He said I cannot comment on threatened or pending legislation litigation rather, including the exist- existence or non-existence of threatened litigation, except to say that the Kenai Peninsula Borough has not been served with a publicly filed quasi-judicial administrative or judicial complaint related to any of those allegations raised in the Alaska landmine story or any other similar news stories. They went on to explain that the allegations made by the blogger who'd been cooking up controversy for the days prior to Charlie Pierce resigning um, said, to address your question below, please know that I do not intend to engage in further back and forth and will not waive attorney-client uh, privilege. However, it does appear that some clarification is necessary. In my role as borough attorney, this constitutes the extent of information I can provide at the time. I cannot comment on confidential internal investigations except to say that there is not an ongoing investigation in the interest of transparency. However, on July the 14th, the borough did engage the law firm of Ashburn and Mason to conduct a confidential internal investigation. That investigation was completed in July. Any internal documents or memorandum prepared for the purpose of or regarding the investigation are covered by attorney-client privilege, etc., etc., and cannot be released absent court order. Accordingly, and to protect all borough employees' privacy rights and participation in internal investigations, I cannot at this time confirm or provide any individual names concerning the investigation. It would be inappropriate on my part to infer otherwise. Mayor Pierce voluntarily resigned. There's no settlement agreement that required or called for the mayor to resign. There's no applicable settlement agreement. There has been no monetary settlement. There are no signed agreements. I cannot comment on threatened or pending litigation, including the existence or non-existence of threatened litigation, except to say that the KPB has not been served with a publicly filed quasi-judicial administrative or judicial complaint related to any of the allegations raised in the Alaska landmine story or any other similar, similar news stories. Uh, on uh, on sta- as stated on Friday, the KPB legal department will release a memorandum next week regarding succession. The KPB legal department will not comment further on any speculation surrounding Mr. Pierce's resignation, which I thought 
says a lot while still walking that line. I thought that was a very interesting piece. You can find it over at mustreed has got the uh, whole shoot uh, on it. You can go back over there and take a look at it and read it and see what it's all about. But good bully for them. Bully for them. And finally, I thought I was going to get a little bit more time to talk about this, but I got a little too waylaid there. Um, The SEC, which is the targeting committee for the Republican Party, met on Tuesday of last week and made a bunch of decisions about which candidate to support in office. And I got to tell you, this is exactly what's wrong with the Republican Party. This is exactly this shooting inward. This attack on conservatives continues. And this is just a prime example of it. And I'm sure we're going to have to get into this tomorrow. Um, but I got this, <clears throat> I got this uh, email that went out to all the different districts talking about who are supporting what. The House is pretty much it. They have a bunch of money, right, that they, they give as a committee to support different districts. Well, <clears throat> they, they've given out the list of, uh, of donations that they're going to be giving to um, Senate candidates this year. And uh, there's some interesting things in here. Um, Bert Stedman got $1,000. Gary Stevens got $1,000. Roger Holland got $1,000. McCarthy got $1,000. David Wilson got $3,000, although he's pretty strongly ahead in his race. I don't understand that. Jim Matherly got $5,000. That makes sense. He's in a tight race. Uh, uh, Rob Myers got $1,000. Click Bishop got $1,000. Um, which is surprising because he's so far ahead of Elijah Verhagen. and it's surprising that they were giving him any money at this point. Um, but you know who got a thousand dollars and got and their opponent got a thousand dollars? Mike Shower, the most conservative candidate, uh, the most conservative legislator, pretty much out there, the most conservative senator by far. They gave him only a thousand dollars when he's behind in the primary results to his opponent, Massey, and they gave Massey $1,000. The only one where they gave the opponent, even though many of these have other Republicans running in their district, even though they have other Republican opponents, this is the only one. Somebody does not like Mike Schauer. Somebody does not like the fact that he won't play ball and won't toe the line with some of the establishment. And you've got Ann Brown and Randy Rudrick and the whole crowd in the background running around out there, you know, throwing out money and giving money to Mike Shower's opponent. It's the only – you could look at this. You could look at this whole race. He is the, it is the only one where they are giving money to the incumbent – and a challenger. It's the only one. And it was only $1,000. Mike is behind. Massey is ahead in fundraising. Mike was behind in the numbers. Mike was, a, I mean, this is, I'm so pissed off about this. This is, this is the problem right here. This is the problem with the Republican Party in this state. In a nutshell, this is a snapshot, a one email example of exactly why we can't have nice things. I mean, that's. Yeah, I'm just I'm so frustrated. All right, I got to go. I'm sorry. I'm running late already. The Michael Duke show continues. Brad Keithley's up next. We're going to continue with this. Maybe he'll comment on this. 
This might wrap neatly into our first discussion, taking back the house. We'll see what we can come up with. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Yeah, it's true, and I didn't even mention that, James. Thank you. Click Bishop gets $1,000 from the ARP, even though he's been censured by his district and Elijah Verhagen has been endorsed by his district. I mean, what the hell is going on at this this central election, this election committee, the steering committee? I mean, I, I'm, this is, again, part of the problem. Right here. Again, just don't even know what to say at this point. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's uh, go over here. Let me see what you guys have said real quick before I jump to Brad. I see Brad's in the green room, and we're going to uh, be uh, jumping into that in just a hot second. Um, all right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um. And you still have to get you still have time to get your Christmas lights up. Somebody said, "What? <laughs> oh man! Um, uh, just imagine if everyone voted. Oh yeah, that would take getting off their lazy behinds." Um, how is it that Democrats and Reiners are suddenly getting so many votes in the states? How is it as if Alaska looks like it has flipped blue overnight? This has not been overnight. I've been watching this for the last 10 years, Hawk. This is exactly where we've been going. And you know why? Because it's vested interest when the state is paying your bills or paying your money or you're dependent on the state for your contracts or whatever else. This is what happens. This is how government dependency happens right here. All right. Um, <clears throat> doesn't mean anything. I ranked Palin second, even though I can't stand her. We have to keep the level Democrats from being elected, says Susie. I agree. I agree. Um, okay. I'm just going back through here. Um, haven't been a while. Smartest of the two. Everyone needs to donate shower, even if it's $10. I, I agree. Um, Okay. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is coming on board, and we're going to be joined by him uh, right now. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing this morning? Michael, I'm doing great this morning. Um, if somebody had a blood pressure meter on you, they would have noticed it went up as you were talking about the uh, the Republican Party uh, email. Uh, you know, Brad, I just I'm I'm tired. I, I'm just tired. I, I've been fighting this fight for 20-something years and talking about how you get these people in these positions of power and they just they want to circle the wagons, and then the Republicans themselves are the worst about it. But here we've got one of the most conservative, fiscally conservative, thoughtful, you know, hardworking legislators in the state. Um, and not only do they find an opponent to run against him who is the business-as-usual government crowd guy, they're, he's the only one that's actually they're going to give money to to try and force shower out. And that just it just blows my mind. It just absolutely blows my mind. They're trying to have it both ways. Um, and uh, it's a power play. It's a power play within the Republican Party. And this is why I will never, ever be a Republican, period. 
just that. Sorry, I just you don't get me started, Brad. Don't get me started this morning. <laughs> I just I was just talking about your blood pressure. Yeah, I know. I know you were just talking <laughs> and, about the and blood there pressure. It goes. There, there it goes spiking. There it goes right all over the place. So we're going to dive into these stuff. I'm sure you'll have some comments on this as we go through, because again, this whole battle for the House and the Senate has been part of the, you know, it's part and parcel. It's the biggest thing that has to do with what we're doing and facing in this next election. So um, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a good. I think it's a good thing. the The big thing is, of course, <clears throat> Senator Peter Machicki had a big hand in. Uh, in fact, the email from Ron Johnson talks about how Kathy Tilton gave guidance on the House fund, and Senate President Peter Machicki gave misguidance on the Senate fund. So this is all tit for tat. This is all paying you back for saying bad things about you or uh, for not agreeing with you. We're going to force you out. That's what it's about. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah, very it, interesting. it is very interesting. All right, Brad, we'll hold the line. We're going to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like the show, share the show, like and follow, hit subscribe, do all the things on all the channels, and let's go for it. All right. Uh, welcome back to the program. We're continuing now. It's Tuesday, the deep dive. We're going to jump into it with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, who joins us this morning to soothe the savage beast and I'm sure just to get us all squared away. Good morning, Brad. How are you this morning? I don't think I ever achieve that objective. No, I don't think you ever do as well. I think I just I get so frustrated. So, Brad, let's dive right into it because I ran a little long. Uh, I apologize. I hate cutting into your time. Let's talk uh, about number one, which probably folds into what I was just talking about, which says, what does it mean exactly if the Republicans take back the House? And I guess I would add to that, what good is it if they lose the Senate, the conservatives lose the Senate? But uh, I'll let you I'll let you pontificate on this here. Well, there's a, a fundraiser coming up this week uh, for the Republic, sponsored by the uh, GOP, the Alaska GOP, and the title of it is uh, "Take Back the State House." It's a fundraiser for House candidates, Republican House candidates, and 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 trying to generate a lot of a lot of uh, enthusiasm and activity for the Republicans taking back the House. And so I started thinking about what does that actually mean if the Republicans uh, take back the House? Now, some people. Uh, uh, when I talked to, you know, some people around, uh, the response was, oh, well, it means we get the PFD. Well, it doesn't. Um, and so I, so that led me down the road of, of trying to figure out what it really does mean. You've got Republican candidates. I mean, let's be, let's be direct here. You've got Republican candidates out there who will not, who, who will oppose taxes, uh, even if they are necessary to save the PFD. That they will cut the PFD first and will not and will not uh, not vote for taxes. Uh, Dan Sadler is a is a great example of that. Dan Sadler leads in that district uh, leads in the in the district he's running for election in, um, and uh, over Sharon Jackson and and has and has said uh, and I think he's got it on his website, but at least has said that uh, that he would oppose taxes even if they're necessary to uh, uh, to save the PFD. So you've got you've got Republicans out there who are clearly saying that 
that uh, they won't vote for the they won't vote to to save the PFD. They won't take the steps necessary to save the PFD. That's going to look a lot. So the so the House is going to look a lot when you when you get through all that that division and and who's elected. The House is going to look a lot like the Senate has this last year. You're going to have a portion of them who are committed to saving the PFD. We'll try to cut spending, but if its spending cuts aren't sufficient, like Mike Shower said at, at, at points in, these, in this last session, if spending cuts aren't sufficient, then we need to look at taxes as a substitute for using PFD cuts uh, for revenues. You're going to have a portion of them willing to do that, and then you're going to have a portion of them not willing to do that, who who are you know top twenty percenters or top twenty percent defenders, and who are who are saying no, we're not going to do taxes ever, even though taxes are better for middle and lower income Alaska families, 80% of Alaska families. We're not gonna do taxes ever. We will oppose taxes. So you're gonna have that split uh, in the Alaska House, just like uh, you've had it in the Alaska Senate. What it probably means at the margin is some resistance to spending, uh, uh, more resistance to spending than what you had, uh, than certainly what you've had with the, with the coalition. So you probably have some reduced uh, uh, support for spending in the House, but you're not going to. You don't have 16. I mean, looking at the at the at the numbers, you don't have 16 uh, like Governor Dunleavy needed wanted uh, in uh, 2019 when he tried to cut uh, spending down to the levels necessary to save the PFD. You're not going to have 16 to back up the governor, even if the governor tried it. Dunleavy hasn't talked about that again. He's unlikely to do it. He's certainly not talking about it during this campaign. Um, so even if the governor tried it, you're not going to have 16 to back up the governor on spending. So you're not going to get to PFD cuts through uh, through spending reductions, even if the Republicans take back the House. So what you've got, I think, at best, if the Republicans take back the House, is a marginal impact on spending, maybe, not a big impact on spending, a marginal impact on spending, maybe. And you've got, you, you've got as a result of that, you've got some increase in the PFD, maybe, marginal increase in the PFD, maybe. But you don't have enough Republicans to get in there and, uh, and protect the PFD, do what's necessary to, uh, to protect the PFD. So I think we end up uh, in the same place, even if the Republicans take back the House. I think I think we're we're heading toward looking like what we just went through on the Senate, which is which is a split Republican Party, conservative Republicans doing trying to identify what's necessary to save the PFD, to do what's right for middle and lower income Alaska families, eighty percent of Alaska families, uh, and then other and then the remainder of the Republican Party, just like we had in the Senate, moderate moderate uh, on uh, on government spending cuts uh, and. Uh, doing what they need to protect the top 20% from contributing to the cost of Alaska government. Right, because we can see exactly how well, as you point out, that this has been working for the Senate. You can see exactly how contentious it's been and exactly what's happened, especially when you have people who are pro-government spend Republicans in charge of the leadership of the of these areas. And that's more than likely what would happen even, I mean, if you took over, and I'm not saying Kathy Tilton is that way, but overall, you know, you've got LeBon, 
You've got uh, you've got Thompson. You got Dan Sadler. You've talked about some of these people. It is going yeah, to be Will 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 up and Will Stapp and Fairbanks, yep, who said he was more than willing to cut the PFD. Um, I mean, you you've got these Republicans who are very much about protecting government spend uh, in the long run, and I think that uh, all you have to do is look to the the Senate to see exactly how that worked out. And if, even if the Senate was exactly as it is at this exact moment. It's the, the the uphill battle. And if it changes, if people like Mike Schauer are voted out and if you get a Kathy Geisel or if you get a Kelly Merrick in there, as we're seeing uh, in some of these races that they're ahead. Good luck. I mean, just flat out good luck trying to get any of that stuff fixed. Yeah, I for me, I mean, what it means for me is I'm 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 not going to look at party. I'm not going to look at, you know, I don't. I don't I don't think taking back the house for the Republicans is 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 an important thing for me. What's what's important for me is finding candidates who will support the PFD, will support middle and lower income Alaska families across the aisle, whether they're on the Republican side or the Democrat side, and will do the necessary things in order to in order to protect uh, in order to protect the PFD. And I think that's I think that's the lesson frankly as you as you think about what it means for Republicans to take back take back the House, and what you think about, you know, what 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 candidates, what happens then if Republicans do take back the House? I think it's a, uh, I I don't I don't think it's a positive thing uh, for Alaska. As I say, it will have a marginal may have a marginal impact on spending. Marginal. I'm not talking about huge dollars here. I'm talking about you know sort of symbolic uh, chips here and there along the way. Um, marginal impact on spending, uh, maybe things like uh, 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 defined benefit defined benefit plans uh, don't proceed if the Republicans are in control of the House, but they're probably not going to get through the, the Senate anyway. So it's um, I, I just I just see very marginal a very marginal effect. I don't see that sort of attitude getting the PFD restored. So I think there's I think we need to I need to think be thinking about. The House elections a different way than simply the, the mantra of uh, the Republicans take back the House in order right. to focus on uh, getting the PFD. Well, I'm getting to the point now again with all this stuff and what we were just talking about with the Senate Leadership Committee and all that kind of stuff is why are we supporting the party at all? We should be looking at each individual candidate, and I don't give a crap what their label is. Where do they stand? Are they pro PFD? Are they smaller government? Um, I just don't care. I think, you know, the party system is obviously broken uh, across the nation. And in Alaska, we've got our own brand of infighting inside the party that's just made it basically uh, useless at this point. You should, Like you said, I don't care about the majorities or the leadership or this or that. I want to look at individual candidates. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm... I, uh, 20 bucks. Everybody should be dropping 20 bucks and a hat for whatever candidate they think is a good candidate. Uh, and if everybody who listened to this program did that, we'd have a lot more folks that were ready to uh, to go in there and fight for us. But instead, you know, we love to we love to gripe. We love to we love to crab about it. And uh, and, you know, this is where we're at. Yeah, I think I think there are some good I mean, some good Republican candidates. Sharon Jackson, I think, is much stronger on the PFD. Than Dan Sadler in that district, I think uh, I think Ron Gillum is probably stronger on the PFD than, than Jason Ruffridge in the, uh, in that district. I think there's some good Republican candidates, but but you're exactly they're not going to. I mean, just like just like 
the, the decision on the Senate side to support Massey and uh, Shower equally, um, I think the Republican, the establishment Republicans, the Republicans with money, are going to go in there and support people like Ruffridge and Sandler and Sadler, who have said, and Stapp, who who have said, you know, we're not going to we're not going to have taxes, even though it's better for eighty percent of Alaska families. We're not going to have taxes because of because of the impact it would have on our donors. So you're right. I mean, we need to be out there supporting uh, those Republicans as well as, frankly, those Democrats uh, who care more about 80% of Alaska, care more about middle and lower income Alaska families uh, than they do about, you know, things like taxes or things or things that are related to the top 10%. Right. All right. Give me a tease here for number two, Brad. We're going to jump into the break a little bit early, but give me a, give me a, um, uh, a deal here. Well, I think we need to be talking more about the governor's race. I mean, I've talked about it some, but, but, you know, I think that the assumption is that Dunleavy has, has, is far and away, uh, ahead, that it, this is a cakewalk all the way through November, and and we don't really need to worry about the governor's race. If you look at the latest numbers, the Saturday numbers uh, 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 that have come out of Division of Elections, I don't think that's true. Uh, I think uh, I think this is going to be a tough governor's fight. It doesn't look like it because of because Guerra and Walker are dividing essentially the second place votes, the opposition votes between them. But if you look at the numbers that came out Saturday, uh, it's like it's going to be a very, 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 very tight race. I think it's important that Charlie Pierce stay in. I think it's important that Charlie Pierce run hot, run, run hard. And I'll explain why when we come back from the break. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to continue here in just a moment. We will uh, have that discussion. This hour of the program being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com when it comes to communications in the state, whether it's satellite or cellular or rubbing two sticks together and sending smoke signals, whatever it is, Satellite West has got you covered. Go check them out, SatelliteWest.com. All right, we're going to continue with more here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. That heavy sigh said everything for me. Um, Because I feel exactly the same way. I'm just, I'm so bad. I'm so angry. I'm just, I'm so frustrated by this. Uh, I got this email yesterday and uh, uh, I I just, I've been trying to, I've been trying to uh, enhance my calm over this, but I'm just, I'm frustrated. This whole thing. I mean, we, we could see what needs to be done, but there's just a group of people out there that believe the government needs all the money at no matter what the, no matter what the cost to, you know, different people and especially to the lower and middle income groups and everything else. And that, you know, we should just business as usual, just shut up and keep going. And uh, I just, Brad, I don't even know what to say at this point. Well, Doug Massey, I mean, come on. Doug Massey has clearly said that that he supports PFD cuts if necessary to pay for government, that he doesn't support using uh, other revenue sources to pay for government. Clearly said he supports PFD cuts. Doug Massey has clearly said he supports a defined benefit plan for for public safety officers. 
clearly uh, an increase uh, on uh, on the spending side. Um, and and yet the Republican Party gives him a thousand dollars. That's saying a lot. It's saying that the Republican Party doesn't value the PFD as much as they try to lead people to believe. And, and they are tolerant of, indeed supportive of, people who are running to, uh, to increase spending through, uh, at least through the defined benefit plan. So, um, you know, th- that, that one contribution, I mean, not to mention Click, not to mention Gary Stevens, not to mention others, but that one contribution uh, tells you all you need to know uh, about it. I mean, the Republicans might say, look, we need Click, we need Stevens. We need Bert in order to maintain the majority, in order to maintain, in order to maintain control of the Senate. And so giving to them is okay because we need to make sure that they win their elections. So we continue to have at least 11 or 12. Or Wait, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out the justification on click. The guy has got a 75% lead uh, or 75%. He's got a 20%, 25% lead on Elijah Verhagen, another Republican. Uh, and then the Democrat is trailing way in the weeds back in the back. Plus, he'd been censured and his ca- his candidate as challenger had been endorsed. I mean, th- it, this makes no sense whatsoever unless you've got your friends and you're out there patting them on the ass on the way by saying, here's some money for you, sweet lips. Do me proud. Yeah, well, maybe I don't know. I I, I can't. I can't rationalize that, but let's go, let's go back to shower and Massey, which is, which is where, where I want to make the point. Right. Maybe you can rationalize some of the Republicans on the, on the, on the, on the basis that they want to, uh, they want to maintain the majority and those guys are necessary to maintain the majority. But here you've got shower and Massey. No, no other people in that, effectively, no other people in that race. You got shower and Massey. You got one who's a conservative who says cut spending, maintain the PFD. You've got another who says, yeah, on spending, let's go to defined benefits. And I'm clearly against the, I'm clearly in favor of cutting the PFD if necessary to, uh, to support uh, spending. No clearer division between positions uh, that, that you can find, between Republicans that you can find. And yet the Republican Party, the Alaska Republican Party gives money to, gives money to Massey. I mean, it's just, so, so tell me again, tell me again, how the Republican Party is not, you know, a top 20% is not a top 20% protecting party. Tell me again why these guys are really trying to get in there and back up the governor on protecting the PFD and maintaining the PFD. You you can't, you can't, that that donation to Massey just obliterates that, that argument entirely. Right. No, I agree. And as uh, Kathy just points out in the chat room, too, Ruffridge is also stating that restoring the defined benefits will be a top priority for him. Uh, I mean, we're seeing this all over the place. This, I thought, you know, uh, every time I think that this defined benefits is finally asleep and down in the grave, somebody resurrects it again. And we keep coming back to it. It is, uh, I mean, it is a boondoggle to end all boondoggles. And yet it seems to be a talking point, not for, I mean, the Democrats have always kind of had it there, but now you've got Republicans who are touting it. And I'm just like, have you people not learned from history at all? And and let's be clear. Some people say, oh, well, I'm just in favor of defined benefits for public safety employees. That's, that's That's the camel's nose in the tent. The plan here is to find benefits. I mean, the plan that e- even last session it became clear. The plan is to push defined benefits for public safety. And as that picks up steam, 
then say, well, we got to do it for teachers too, because you know, we got a teacher retention problem. So we got to do it for teachers also. And as that gathers steam, we're going to be right back to where we were under the old tier system with, uh, with all of the state employees captured. I mean, because you wouldn't want to leave anybody out if you're going to do teachers and you're going to do public safety employees. I mean, do you not value those other employees out there? We're going to be right back in the, in the, in the same spot we were before with the state taking the risk of markets going down and the state taking the risk of, uh, of, of underfunding, uh, un underfunding the plans going forward. All right. You heard the ding time to jump back to it. The Michael Duke show <sighs> common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio like this video, share, hit subscribe, ring the bell, do the stuff. Let's go. All right. Uh, continuing now, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Number two, uh, uh, the governor's race, the importance of it. Uh, Brad, uh, let's get uh, let's get started here. So let's look at the votes. Let's look at the at the, uh, the division election final votes on the governor's race uh, from Saturday. Uh, they have Dunleavy well ahead, but at forty point four two percent of the vote. They have Guerra and and Walker behind splitting the vote between them. Uh, Guerra at 23.07 in second, Walker at 22.77. But combined, that's 45% That's forty-five of the vote, 46% uh, uh, of the vote, uh, actually. So Dunleavy has 40, and combined, Guerra and Walker have 46. So let's add in Pierce and Grunwald. That gives you another, that gives Dunleavy, and let's assume all the second, the second, choice ballots go for, for uh, Pierce and Grunwald go to Dunleavy. So that's 47% of, of the vote. So looking at the top four candidates, looking at their vote split, you've got Dunleavy slash Pierce at 47. You've got Garris slash Walker at 46. This is a tight race. This is, I mean, no one, it doesn't look like anybody's going to get to 50% in the first ballot. And so you're going to start counting these second choice ballots. If Guerra finishes second, you got to assume that most of the Walker ballot second choices are going to go to Guerra. We've got we've got a very tight race uh, going on for governor, and it's going to come down to what the people you know do they mark their second choice ballots? Do we have do we have bullet voters or not? Do do the people mark the second choice ballots? We hope with uh, with uh, Pierce and with uh, Grunwald that. Uh, we people do additional people do come in to vote and they and the second choice ballot is for Dunleavy. And then what happens to people who supported the other candidates? What happens, for example, to the Kirka Hooper uh, 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 voters? Do they come back in the general election uh, and vote for Dunleavy or do they come into the ballot box or come into the voting booth, vote for Shabako because that's likely who they're going to vote for and then not mark the governor's race? And so you don't, and so you don't have a vote in the governor's race. Right. Um, it's a very, it's a, it's a very important election and, 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 or a very, it's going to be a very close vote, at least looking at these numbers. And I think that leads me to believe, or leads me to argue that, that, that Pierce and Grunwald need to be very active uh, during the, during the fall campaign. Why? Because, because I think they will bring people into the voting booth that otherwise aren't going to show up. 
or otherwise aren't going to vote in the governor's race. They're going to come in and vote Chewbacca and then uh, and then start skipping on down into the legislative races. We need every voter for the from from the fiscally conservative side. We need every voter that we can get on our side in the booth to deal with uh, to deal with what's going to be going on on the other side. A lot of people speculate. I mean, another point for why it's going to be it's going to be close. Uh, a lot of people have argued that. Uh, uh, when the general election comes, the general election voters tend to be more moderate than, than the primary voters. I'm not sure that holds anymore, but if it does, if it does, you're going to have more moderate voters showing up for, uh, 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 Gara and for, and for Walker, which makes that 46%, even, even 46 to 47 against Dunleavy, even narrower, uh, than, uh, than it looks like, uh, coming out of the, the spring results. So it's, this is going to be, this is not a cakewalk. You, you think you think it is when you look at Dunleavy's 40 and you look at Guerra and Walker down in the 20s. You think that's where this is headed, but it's not. It's going to be extremely close. And those Pierce voters, those fourth, uh, uh, fourth voters are going to be, uh, fourth place voters are going to be extremely important. Their second choice is going to be extremely important. And getting the voters for the others uh, back in to come back in and vote the, the Kirka Hooper uh, uh, voters in particular, getting them to come back into uh, the, the the voting booth, vote for Chewbacca, and then continue on down and vote in the uh, in the in the governor's race for Dunleavy. Um, I think uh, I think is is going to be critical to the outcome of that election. If that doesn't happen, uh, if the if Pierce doesn't remain active, if he doesn't engage people and bring people in. That otherwise uh, otherwise wouldn't vote uh, if he doesn't uh, uh, generate a lot of support for Dunleavy in the in the second choice ballots. If the Kirka Hooper people go into the ballot box and don't cast a ballot for governor, um, I think I think Dunleavy is going to be in trouble. So it's th- this is a lot tighter race for governor than I think uh, uh, people are giving it credit to credit right now. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. Uh, I guess my main fear is is that a lot of these people that you're talking about who become bullet voters may come in and vote in the Shabaka race. Uh, they may come in and vote on the uh, uh, on the Congress race. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, they're going to try and look at this race or governor and just say, my candidate didn't make it, so screw them all. And at that point... <laughs> You're 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 handing the potential for victory to the other side by not voting at all. I mean, at least make a vote, even if it's just one and done at that point. I'd prefer it to be two. Um, like I said, I mean, I'm endorsing Charlie Pierce, and and I'll be voting for Dunleavy second, and I won't be ranking any of the other guys, uh, simply because that's just that's 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 the way I'm going. But if you just go in there and you and you hold your nose and say or don't hold your nose and and vote for somebody, then as you said, it's a one-point difference right now between Dunleavy and the combined votes of Garrett and Walker, and so who's going to win? Well, it's a one. It's a one-point difference between Dunleavy and Pierce combined against exactly. Against I'm Walker, sorry, that's what I meant. Walker yeah. and Garrett. Yeah, I mean Walker and Garrett beat Dunleavy on 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 their own bottoms. So those Pierce voters, I, I cannot I cannot emphasize enough how important it is. That Charlie stay in the race. I know all these rumors out there, but that Charlie stay in the race and Charlie campaign hard in order to bring voters in that otherwise may not mark, uh, may not, may not mark in the governor's race. And not only to bring those voters in, but to, 
but to not discourage them maybe, or maybe encourage them to uh, uh, cast their second choice ballots for, uh, for Dunleavy. It's uh, it's frustrating, but this is where we're at. So again, get your folks out there, get them to vote, get things to, uh, you know, get everybody on board because not voting in one of these elections, specifically in the governor's race is going to leave us very, very vulnerable uh, for a potential blue takeover of the, uh, of the, of the, uh, uh, of the governor's office, which in turn will empower more of the pro government. Not only the Democrats will be empowered, but all those pro government, uh, anti PFD Republicans that are out there, they'll, they'll have carte blanche to do whatever the hell that they want to do. And, uh, and we need to be paying attention to that. All right, Brad, um, how exactly is Alaska supposed to pay for itself in this next economy? How are we paying for ourselves going forward? This is uh, your number three. So there's an op-ed in the, uh, in the Daily News. Uh, the, uh, the title of it is Alaskans are building a prosperous next economy while our leaders are stuck in the past. And it's a, it's a long piece that, uh, that criticizes Alaska's reliance on the resource industry says we shouldn't be spending money, time and effort uh, on continuing to develop our resource in- industry because of the because of the negative impacts, at least of oil and gas on uh, on climate. And as a result, we ought to be focusing on things like renewable energy, uh, local agriculture, kelp and oyster farming, a growing healthcare industry, broadband expansions, uh, and locally owned uh, tourism. That that's the way forward. Those are the way forward uh, in uh, in the next economy. And that's that's where we ought to be spending our our, our time and effort. I have one question about that. How the heck are we supposed to pay for government uh, in uh, in in that economy? Uh, resource uh, resource extraction, uh, the production taxes, the royalty that comes from resource extraction produces a heck of a lot of revenues uh, to this state. Uh, even in down years, even when prices are down, uh, it produces a heck of a lot of revenues uh, to the state. Uh, if we if we let that go away, if we just let that glide off into the sunset and don't continue to to develop uh, uh, resources if we don't continue to have those sources of revenues, how are we gonna pay, pay for the state? I will tell you what, those, what, what that group says. They, they will say the same thing Walker says, which is, well, you know, if we just get the, the permanent fund to $100 billion or, or $110 billion or $120 billion, we'll live off the revenue, we'll live off the earnings that comes from the permanent fund. Uh, let's see, that means no PFD. The only way to do that is you've got to eliminate the PFD and enti- and then shift the entire permanent fund earnings over to uh, over to pay for government. So basically, when 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 this group talks about our next economy that we ought to we ought to slack off on resource development and we ought to just let that fall off into the sunset or fall off into the sea or wherever it's going to fall, uh, and that and we need to focus on renewable energy and agriculture and broadband expansion and all that sort of stuff. That's the focus we ought to give. Basically, they're saying we ought to cut the PFD. We ought to eliminate the PFD and live off, like trust fund babies. We ought to live off uh, off the permanent fund earnings, not share any of that with uh, uh, with the residents of the state, uh, and uh, and and continue on uh, as a state uh, state government in that way. And uh, and of course, as we as we look at this, that is the pipe dream. I mean, the pipe dream here. I mean, this was under Walker, right? He wanted to create. Uh, it wasn't a, a it wasn't a a permanent fund anymore. Now it was a uh, 
uh, I've lost the word. Uh, all sovereign of, wealth uh, sovereign, endowment. Fund. There you go. Sovereign wealth endowment fund. Right. Exactly. That was the thing, because sovereign wealth, we are sovereign, and it's all our. It's the state's money, and we're going to use it. And it was a hundred million, hundred billion, and now it's a hundred and twenty billion because I've seen what's happened uh, in the past. Uh, but that that means that we have lost. We have been disconnected as citizens from any effect on the size and scope of government because then we have no skin in the game whatsoever. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a continuous cycle, right? They argument they argue that that we need to focus on these industries, renewable energy, and the other industries, um, uh, and and we need government support because that's the next economy. That's where we need to be going. Um, well, how how is government going to support itself if 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 we need to provide government support to our industry? I mean, right? Uh, the oil industry we take we take uh, revenue from the oil industry through production taxes and royalties. If the only industry that we're going to have is industry that needs government support to survive, how the heck are we ever going to are we ever going to make this state? Go that's the ulti- that's the ultimate of a self-licking ice cream cone at that point. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're up against it, Brad. Thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Chris Story coming up in hour two, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We'll be back with more in just a moment. I think Brian asked the question that I was thinking as you were running through that list of uh, of industries that was in the op-ed. I mean, broadband, how does broadband produce any kind of, I mean, how does that become a producing uh, a line item for the state at that point? I mean, there's just so many questions. I have so many questions over this. Well, broadband expansions that multiply entrepreneurial potential. So we're okay. all going to establish. We're going to find the next Amazon because we'll have broadband somewhere out in the yeah. out in Western Alaska. Exactly. Somebody out in uh, in Chicknick or someplace is going to be able to have their own uh, Amazon warehouse because they can they have broadband or something. Yeah. But we can't tax them <laughs> because then they wouldn't they wouldn't be competitive, and we have to have government support for them through through paying for the broadband in order to establish them. Uh, uh, in the first place. So it's none of these, none of these are revenue producing industries. All of these are revenue dependent, government dependent. Right. Uh, industries. Because how do they get, how do they get that broadband out there? Government subsidies, billions of dollars in government subsidies to make sure everybody has the high speed, whatever at their home, no matter if they live in a cabin 580 miles away from the nearest landline to whatever. That's what's important. We got to have the government subsidy to make it happen. And Rob Myers, I, I would be quick to point out. Yeah. And, and we're taking away the capital. When we take away the PFD, we're taking away the, the little private capital that uh, the people might be able to use to, to 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 develop these small business industries, because we're taking away their private capital, because we're taking away the PFD, all of it's dependent on government, right? right. It's dependent on it's dependent on the sixty plus one getting their favor to support your particular industry. We've become, right. I mean, well, people it, who say PFDs are socialist. What is more socialist than than a state government than a state? That's dependent on government to fund itself and is taking money um, uh, that otherwise is intended to the private sector, private sector through PFDs to do that. I mean, it's just 
It's it's the ultimate definition of socialism. No, I mean, look, the, this is about creating government dependency. That's what this whole thing is. The whole thing is about creating government dependency. That is the socialistic pipe dream of the author of this opinion piece uh, and a lot of other people is that they want everybody to be dependent on government. Now, whether that's in the welfare state and being dependent on the government programs in that regard or whether it's in the corporate cronyism state where government or where businesses are dependent on the government contracts and government spend, the ideal here is that everybody – be dependent on government at one level or another. That's really the bottom line here. And 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 watch this. Walker, we're going to hear in this election campaign, Walker echoing these comments. Oh, we've got to develop our renewable industry, we, renewable energy industry. We've got to develop this. We've got to develop that. How are you going to pay for it, Bill? Well, we've got this permanent fund. We've got these earnings, and we're going to be able to, to do all these things by uh, by doing that. I mean, Walker's the ultimate PFD cut candidate. He won't come out and say it but he's the ultimate PFD cut candidate. Um, I'm, I'm just, I, you know, this is not the day for me today, Brad, because I'm just so frustrated by this whole thing. And like I said, I've been fighting this fight for 20 years. And, and I see, you know, we take one step forward and then we take two steps back and we get one good candidate in there for one, one or another office. And they either self-destruct and roll over and wet on themselves, as we've seen with the Dunleavy campaign, or they get uh, attacked from within by members of their own party, as we're seeing right now with Mike Shower and Sharon Jackson and others. And, you know, at some point you just got to... <laughs> I mean, it, throw your hands in the air and just walk away and go out and and do your own thing at some point. I mean, I it, it's so it's so tempting sometimes just to basically, you know, give everybody the finger on the way out the door and basically say, "You figure it out, sweet lips. I'm done," uh, because that's uh, kind of where we're at. So so talk me back off the ledge, Brad. <laughs> talk me back off the ledge here and tell me what you know how we're going to make this work because that's that's the question. You got two minutes to fix me here. Go ahead. Well. A, your your argument essentially leads you out of Alaska because because you got to walk out the door and Terry wants to stay in Alaska so yeah, yeah. you you, you, yeah. Can, you can't do that you got that for the, sure yeah and and the other is and this is going to be heresy and I'm going to get a lot of you know hate comments as a result of it but you've got to you got to think beyond the Republican Party the Republican Party is there are Repu there are people in the Republican Party that are part of the solution. But there are also people outside the Republican Party that are part of the solution. I know there's a lot, probably a lot of support for Matherly on, 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 on the listening to the program now. But Kawasaki is a much stronger supporter of the PFD than Jim Matherly ever is going to be. Jim Matherly is much closer to Click Bishop and much closer to Steve Thompson, much closer to Bart Lebon than he's ever going to be to, to Mike Schauer. And so when you when you look at these individual races, you need to be looking at not just party party title, but you need to be looking at uh, uh, their position on the PFD, their position on the private sector, on on you know what's important. Eighty percent of Alaska families. I know some people will say, well, Kawasaki will vote for uh, would would be supportive of increased spending. Well, you know. We have increased spending now, and we're paying for it through PFD cuts. We have people who aren't going to cut the budget. We have Republicans like 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 Massey who are saying we got to go to defined benefits. We have Republicans who are spending now, and and we're cutting the PFD to pay for it. I would accept uh, the the equivalent spending on the Democrat side, paid for by some other revenue means, paid for by taxes as opposed to being paid for by uh, by PFD cuts. So it's um 
you got to look. I guess my response to you, Michael, is there are people out there who are taking the right positions. They just don't all have an R behind the name by the name. And you've got to look beyond that and start picking out individuals in, in these races, individuals in the in individual races uh, to fashion a government that uh, that works for 80 percent of Alaska families. That is heretical. But at the same time, I'm not going to say you're wrong. I mean, that's really the bottom line. I'm not going to I'm not going to say you're wrong. Brad Keithley, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming in. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more coming up. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at uh, MichaelDukeShow.com. That's the audio-only live stream. Also available, of course, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, on uh, Twitch TV, and, of course, the podcast, which is available um, pretty much wherever you find podcasts, including my favorite, which is Spotify. And broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator it is the Michael Duke Show. Welcome to the program and welcome to our two. And uh, I appreciate you coming on board and being part of it with us today. Um, we just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And if you missed that, uh, I recommend you go back and listen to it either on the podcast or on the replay on YouTube or Facebook. You can go back and watch the replays there uh, as well. Some thought-provoking stuff um, and some good discussions uh, for things to come out. Uh, this hour of the program being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. When it comes to communications in the state of Alaska, nobody knows more or does more, whether it's, again, satellite or cellular, uh, UHF, VHF, radios, uh, carrier pigeons, uh, smoke signals, and uh, two, can, uh, two tin cans with a string between them. Whatever it is, they can hook you up with the best and the latest and the greatest. Find them at SatelliteWest.com for all your communications needs. Uh, satellite uh, telephone services over there at uh, SatelliteWest.com. Quick reminder. Um, I guess I need to do this now. We all know that this weekend is uh, this weekend is Memorial Day. Excuse me, is Labor Day weekend? I'm just the summer's already gone. I thought it was Memorial Day. It's Labor Day, uh, so we've got a we've got a three day weekend, and that means that on Monday I will um, be off 
Um, it will be a day off for me, and we will have alternate programming on uh, on this upcoming Monday. Uh, you can always catch up on the podcast to get your fix. Uh, if you miss anything, or maybe you could go back and listen to one of your favorite shows again, uh, if you really, really need it. Otherwise, I will be returning to the airwaves a week from today. Um, that is next Tuesday. And at that point, we'll have a good analysis of what's happening with the elections, because on Friday, after we do the show on Friday, on Firearms Friday, we will get the announcement for what the official um, um what the official vote count is going to be. That's the certification. We'll actually probably know tomorrow, so maybe on Thursday we can do some analysis of it. But we've got some pretty full, we got some pretty full shows lined up here uh, for the next uh, couple days. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be talking with uh, Elijah Verhagen on uh, Thursday, along with, I believe, Sarah Vance. Frank Tomaszowski is going to be joining us uh, in uh, on the show tomorrow, and then Mike Shower. So we, we've got a pretty full boat of uh, citizens going to be joining us here uh, over the next couple days. But we'll try and sneak in a little bit of analysis of uh, what's coming out with the elections and that coverage uh, as well as the numbers, the final numbers, come in before things are certified on Friday. But I will be off on this coming Monday. So just FYI, just in case you're wondering what's going on. Um, all right. Uh, we are going to be talking in this hour with Chris Story, uh, the man from Homer, who is going to uh, be with us and talk about uh, liberty as a life philosophy. There was an article in uh, FEE, uh, which uh, FEE.org is the uh, is the is where you can find that. And that is the um, uh, Foundation for Economic Education. Uh, and there was an article written by Lawrence Reed talking about liberty as a life philosophy. And I asked Chris to kind of give a read through that and tell me what his thoughts were. And he wanted to discuss it. So I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to come together and discuss that. And uh, maybe, I don't know, change a few hearts and minds out there. That's uh, kind of what I'm looking just a little bit of hearts and minds. We'll, we'll work through that. Uh, meanwhile, in hour one here, uh, I'm going to go back uh, through a couple things, including what I was so ramped up about in uh, the beginning of hour one, which was the move by the Senate Leadership Fund or the Senate, I guess, Senate Leadership Fund, the Republican committee that is tasked with giving money to uh, various candidates in the state, money that's been donated to the party, and and we'll talk about all that. Uh, but somebody threw a, a, um, a question up in the chat room at the very end here before we just came back on the air. Uh, Polar on uh, YouTube asks uh, the question, in the race for Congress right now, if all of Nick's votes are one and done with no second choice, what happens to the race, and uh, that that's a that's a great question. Um, uh, then, if that is the case, and he is the third place, then anybody, if there are no second place votes, they drop off, and then it comes down to who has the majority amongst uh, Palin and Peltola um, in that regard. If there are not enough second choice second choice votes. Uh, to do that, then it becomes a 50% of whatever votes do remain. Um, so, for example, uh, 
uh, and this is my understanding of it, and if I'm wrong, I don't think I am, but I, if I'm wrong, let's just say hypothetically that um, you know there it was 30, uh, 30, 30, and 30 with 10% um, you know, in write-ins or whatever. If, for example, Peltola has 30, Palin has 30, and Begich has 30, and you go for the second round of votes, and obviously nobody has a 50% margin, and you go for the second round, and as you point in your hypothetical here, Begich has no second-place votes, uh, then it would be the 30 and 30 and the 10, so that would be 70%. Then they have to get 51% of the 70% of the votes that remain. Does that make sense? It becomes not a 51% of all the votes, but only the votes that were actually cast in the second round. So if you don't cast a vote in the second round, the percentile needed for the 50 or the number needed for the 50% percentile is a lower number. I hope that makes, I hope that makes sense. Um, so that's the answer to that question. Now, the likelihood of that actually happening, I think, is, uh, is pretty, pretty low. Um, <clears throat> I think that there's probably a lot of people out there uh, that are going to be voting. I think that there's a lot of people that probably voted for Sarah that placed Nick second. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that voted for Nick that placed Sarah second. So um, I don't think I don't think this race will be nearly as close as Brad was pointing out in the last hour, the uh, <clears throat> the second uh, excuse me for the uh, the governor's race. The governor's race is the one that's going to be really, really tight. Um, as the numbers lie out right now, even accounting for everything, uh, it's basically uh, with if you take it down to the second round and assume that all of Walker's votes go to Guerra and all of uh Pierce's votes go to Dunleavy, it's still a one-point race. So it's uh, definitely going to be a tight, tight, uh, a tight uh, one here as we go through. Um, all right. Uh, so I don't think baggage voters are one and done, says James in the chat room. And I, and I would agree with that. I don't think that that's going to be the case. Um, I think that you'll see that uh, as you go forward here, You'll see, you'll see a lot of those things break. Now, the question becomes, in my mind, this is one of the questions that I have, because I know that there's a lot of Republicans, that not a lot, but a, a chunk of Republicans that are voting for Walker simply because they don't like, these are like the Kathy Geisel Republicans. She has endorsed Walker. She's not endorsing Dunleavy. This is kind of the direction she's going. Did they put a second vote down? Do they vote for Guerra on their second vote, or do they vote for uh, Dunleavy uh, on their on their second vote? So I don't I don't I don't know. Again, we're in totally uncharted waters with this stuff. But historically, as we've talked to people like Dr. Fred Van Benicom and others who are experts in ranked choice voting, historically, uh, you know. The, the likelihood of the second place candidate in the first round of voting actually winning overall statistically seems to be higher. So we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that uh, works out. Um, we'll, 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 see, we'll see what happens with that. Um, all right. Well, let me, just, let me just come back here to this email. Um, and talk about this. And I'm sure we're going to have a long discussion about this tomorrow with Mike Shower. We'll, we'll get his take on it. I can't imagine that he is thrilled, to say the least, on this. 
Um, but I get a lot of emails from a lot of the different districts and councils and things like that because I don't know if people just – sometimes it's funny because I'll start getting emails from some random Republican – committee or something that are like, you know, the group emails that go out that to inform the public as to what happened. I don't know how I got on the list, but somebody apparently put me on a list. Um, anyway, I got this email from the Region 2 Council talking about the SEC, which is the targeting committee for 2022. They met last week on the 20, uh, 23rd of August, and they made the following fund distribution decisions. House Minority Leader Representative Kathy Tilton gave the guidance on the House Fund. And the Senate president, Peter Machicki, gave the misguidance on the Senate fund. So the House majority fund balance is it's it's the balance of the fund that they have to distribute to candidates is thirty five thousand dollars. And on the 23rd, they distributed eighteen thousand dollars as follows. Uh, Jeremy Bynum in District one gets a thousand. Sarah Vance in District six gets a thousand. Uh, Julie Columbi in District 11 gets 1000 Kathy Hensley, who's got a very strong race there, she gets 3000 Tom McKay in District 15 gets 1000 David Nelson in District 18, also another strong race, gets 4000 Forrest Wolf in District 21 gets 3000 Stanley Wright in District 22 gets 1000 And Frank Tomaszewski gets 3000 in District 34 up in Anchorage. Districts 13, 21, and 34 are new seats we believe to have a chance to pick up, according to the email here. Then we get into the Senate side. And um, it, 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 so Bert Stedman in District A gets $1,000. Gary Stevens in District C gets $1,000. Roger Holland, who's in a fight for his life against Kathy Giesel, only gets a thousand dollars. Only gets a thousand. He's in a he's in a race for his life with Kathy Easel, um, and he only gets a thousand dollars. McCarthy gets a thousand dollars. David Wilson, who um, I'm trying to, re- I've got to go back and and look at this. Um, where's my uh, where's my um, uh, my results? I have the election results here. I just wanted to throw this out there because David Wilson. Uh, had a significant lead against um, uh, against his opponents in the uh, uh, in in his race. Let me let me. I just want to make sure that I don't misspeak um, on that when I get through. Nope. Next one, uh, David Wilson. He's got a forty six percent lead against Stephen Wright and Scott Clayton. They are all Republicans. So all three of the people in the race are Republicans. And yet they gave David Wilson $3,000. Now, again, Roger Holland in a fight for his life with Kathy Giesel and everything, he only gets 1000 David Wilson gets 3000 Mike Schauer gets 1000 even though he's behind and against him. And his, and his opponent, he, this is the only race in District O is the only race where they gave the opponent – the same amount of money. Then Matt Matherly in Fairbanks gets five thousand. Rob Myers gets a thousand, and then Click Bishop, who again has been censured by his district and was not endorsed by the uh, by the party, but although his opponent was, he gets a thousand dollars, even though his fundraising is way up there and he's got the union support and everything else. This is just in now again. Remember. 
who gave the guidance on the Senate fund, that would be Senator Peter Machicki. Senator Peter Machicki is the one that gave the guidance on this fund. And so I guess probably it's no surprise why this is, uh, this is why it is the way it is. But the fact that Ann Brown and company allowed this and is going to support, and, and again, fighting against some of the most conservative members in Holland and Shower, fighting against those conservative members, that ought to tell you everything you need to know. You need to stop giving money to the Republican Party in this state. Just give it to the candidates directly. That's what you need to do. All right, we got to go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free thing and radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I'm just so disgusted. Um, all right. Let's see. Um, Kelly Nash says, I'm not even on that list. I know, Kelly. I know. You're not even. They didn't give to any. They didn't give to any um, opponents. I mean, the only person that they gave money to both the incumbent and the opponent is in the shower Massey race. That's the only one. The only one. I mean, I just. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Polar Septic says, "What I'm pointing out is that if you that if you vote one and done without ranking, and your candidate does not win, is the same as not voting at all." That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they did. Uh, they should have given dollars to Kelly Nash in her race against Bart LeBon like I did. I can't believe they did not say things like I do. Well, I just – this is, again, no, you know, no surprise here. Um, Terry says, Wilson is a rhino. Uh, we don't want him back. I mean, he was my senator for a long time, and I would have voted against him uh, if I was still in his district. But I got redistricted back to uh, Mike Shower's district. Um, okay. Um he was uh Unifluencica said. Um all right. Machiki, the sales the snake oil salesman, says Terry. Uh they are mostly placing bets on perceived winners. Okay, well that's great. Um, um okay. Moderate floater, Alaska GOP is Fubar. Yep, but like I said before, just hedging bets. Uh I have been banned from RFWF and from uh ARP. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's get this uh, let's get this all squared away here. I got um, I got Mr. Story here that oh, who refuses to get on board with technology. He just wants to do it the old way. He's just a old time radio guy. He just wants to do it the old way. Hello, my friend. How are you? 
Troglodyte, I think, is the expression you're maybe looking for. Troglodytic is how I approach the world, and that's how I, sh I shall stay. You're a like you're here. a luddite. You're a luddite. You're a or a knuckle dragging troglodyte. One of the two. But I mean, it's you know, it is what it is. Hello, friend. How are you? Uh, how are you doing? What's uh, what's happening in your world? Good morning. Doing well. Doing well. Had a yeah. I've had a, an amazing couple of weeks since you and I spoke and uh, sorry about last week. I feel terrible leaving you hanging, looking like a fool, looking like an idiot, looking like a uh, unprepared, unprofessional. It was my fault. I want to admit that right here to, to those that are still listening. That's a, that's dude, that's a, that's me every day. What are you talking about? I mean, <laughs> no difference than any other day at that point. Oh, it was just a Tuesday. It just was another just, Tuesday. Just in another August. Tuesday in August on the program. So, uh, so you're all back, you're rejuvenated, you're rested, you're ready to get, you're going to, uh, you're ready to jump into it and get it all done. Absolutely. Okay. As much as we can in, in the, uh, the very short time we have together. Yes, we do have a very short time together. Tell me, Hey, tell me what's happening with the books before we get into, uh, what's going on. I know you've been, you've been working a busy schedule. Tell me what's, uh, what's happening. Uh, you mean like with, with the books I'm writing right now? Yeah, I know you're writing the oh, make, I know you're writing the next man book and you're doing some other yep. things. So quickly, you've got about a minute here. Give me the rundown. Yeah, the next uh, the next in the Jacob Man series is is nearly complete. Probably two or th yeah, probably three or four chapters. Every I'm sort of an organic writer, so things are actually unfolding in front of me that I didn't expect. So that's taking me a little bit longer than I wished and expected to. But uh, then the Schoolyard Millionaire is coming along nicely. Uh, probably got an, uh, both of them I'm hoping to publish in, in November. That's my goal. That's what I'm aiming towards, but, uh, we'll see at least one of them in November. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. Well, we're looking forward to hearing it and seeing what you have to say. So that would be Thank good. You. Uh, Deshana says you won't come on the video because you're in your pajamas. And so, uh, you know, but no, that is so untrue. I do not wear, but I, I'm just going to say, I just, we all know that you go commando. So that's probably why it doesn't, uh, doesn't want to do it. Um, all right. Well, hold the line, Chris. We're going to be right back to you here. The Michael Duke show continues. Chris story is our guest. Uh, we're going to dive into the philosophy of freedom and liberty, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on it here as we jump into it. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like a chair, like a chair, like a chair. All right, uh, ready for that weekly pick-me-up, the positivity update, the life coaching lesson. Yeah, me too. Chris Story, classic old-school radio, no video for Chris Story today. We were just talking about it. Um, we're going to chastise him. We're going to shame him into it eventually. He joins us this morning to talk about uh, life, uh, the philosophy of liberty, and uh, whatever else is on his mind. Uh, good morning, my friend. How are you? On top of the world, Michael, thank you for having me once again on what my mom calls the second greatest show on earth, the Michael Duke show. No, the second greatest show. I've been downgraded because you told me before she said it was even better than yours. But, I mean, you know, that's okay. Um, so, Chris, 
boy, I didn't even it know. Hurts. I didn't even know I could silence you that bad. I that was that's sorry. I went too far on that. Too deep. Yeah. Too Let's deep. leave the mothers out of it. Let's, Let's leave the mothers out of too it. Too deep. Too deep. Um. All right. Um. So this morning, my friend, uh, you've got uh, a discussion on the philosophy of liberty as a lifestyle. Uh, we were talking about this briefly a couple weeks ago, and I'd sent you this article from FEE and Lawrence Reed, which I thought was a really good. Uh, which I thought was a really good uh, discussion, and uh, you wanted to dive a little bit deeper into it. So let's uh, let's let's get on with it here. I think it, yeah, it was really interesting actually. Just stopping to think for a minute, and this, as you reflected last time we were together, isn't something that's new to our conversations. That there is a a through line almost, if you will, through all these conversations. That it comes back to your own personal responsibility, and at the heart of your own personal responsibility is what. Your philosophy, what is it? What's the foundational way with which you look at the world? But what he brings up in the article is not just how you look at the world, but it's twofold. It's respective of two things, how you see yourself and how you see others. And if you see the world through the eyes of a libertarian or somebody who is a lover of liberty, then you understand that liberty will require You'll feel uncomfortable sometimes. Freedom of speech might make you uncomfortable. You might be offended from time to time with the freedom of speech, or you might even yourself be offensive. However, if you're a real liberty lover, if you're somebody whose guiding philosophy of life is freedom and liberty, you'll allow for others to have a spot in the square, the public square, and say something you might take offense with. And I think that's something that we really ought to stop and think about as a United States of America, as a very divided United States of America. I think it's important to think about that for just a minute and say, is this your guiding philosophy? It was of our founders, is of our documents, of our founding documents, is based on the pinnacle of freedom and liberty. And that's what makes America exceptional. We went through eight years of the Barack Hussein Obama administration telling you and the rest of the world, you're not exceptional. A lot of people work hard. Every country feels that they're exceptional. You're not exceptional. America's not special. You didn't We're build no that. Dip- you didn't, you build didn't build that. All of these kinds of things. Eight years of degradation of what is liberty and how you and I, people like you and I, see the world and we see others. I see the world as a place that deserves the liberty we've got. I agree with Bono when he said that there's a little bit of America in the rest of the world. Our greatest export has been our liberty, our individual uniqueness and liberty. And that's how I see the world. So it's difficult for me to see it through the eyes of, say, Obama and other people that feel that way. And there's there's a lot of them that do, that, that feel like, well, this this you don't deserve this kind of liberty or freedom. In fact, we must check it. One of the great pieces of the article, he talks about ma- meeting a soybean farmer who was all for free markets, <laughs> except for the subsidies of soybeans. Right. And well, I think that's, that's a, a that's a case in point. That's a classic. I mean, that's a classic example. The the quote in the article, uh, you know, coming out of this is that, uh, you know, he, he asked the question of the farmer, you know, uh, you know, the soybean farmer told him with a straight face, Larry, I'm for free markets and no subsidies for everything but soybeans. I mean, because, mm-hmm. again, it's a not in my backyard. I mean, we've seen that in this state where, uh, you know, oh, we're all for smaller government except for that program, which is in my district, which I can't have you cut. And I'll fight to the death for that one. But other than that, I'm all for smaller government spending and everything else. And look. The one thing that I took away from this article is that, uh, you know, look, we're all fallible 
creatures. We're all, you know, nobody ever hits the mark every time. I've just, I've been uh, an example of that in my life just as much as anybody else, as much as I love liberty and freedom. I've made some decisions over the years where I go, well, that wasn't a very liberty-minded kind of decision. But as long as we continue to come back to that touchstone, um, I think we can help spread that idea of liberty throughout the, uh, throughout the, uh, you know, throughout the world. And I think liberty was the the touchstone of the article, but truly underneath it all is, do you have a philosophy of life or do you recognize the philosophy of life that you're living such that when you're gone, what will be said of you? When you're not in the room, what is said of you? I, I lost a, a really good friend a number of years ago. His name was Ray Clapp. And Ray was a local contractor and everybody on the Southern Peninsula knew Ray, loved Ray. You never met anybody who didn't love Ray Clapp. He was an incredible human being. And with his backhoes and his elite crew that he surrounded himself with, he was in fact an artist with the dirt. He was the, the dirt whisperer, if you will, gravel. Everything he touched turned to a masterpiece. And, it, and I'll give you an example. When he was gone, he had been passed for probably eight years. The uh, natural gas came to Homer. And they were installing natural gas everywhere, lines going through every subdivision, every neighborhood. And one day they came across my office and said, okay, Chris, we're gonna cut through the driveway here and here and, and bring gas up this direction. And I said, you know, please don't, please do not cut this driveway. And he said, no, we really have to, we can't, we just don't have the budget to bore all these, things. you know, we're just gonna cut through, but don't worry, we're gonna leave it clean, neat, and it's gonna look just like we were never here. And I said, um, Lance, I gotta tell you, uh, Ray Clapp installed these driveways for me, and I, I would just really prefer you didn't cut them. And he said, Ray did, huh? <laughs> All right, we'll bore, we'll bore underneath them. <laughs> that says something about what a man leaves behind, doesn't it? Yeah, and how you live your life is is reflected in how you're remembered, how people see you. But how do you see the world, and how do you see other people? I love that concept that Larry brought to this article, Michael, that, that how do you see other people, and how do they see you? Think about that for a little bit. Just think right. about the mark you would like to leave in the world, and are you for free markets except for your thing, or are, are you for liberty? Well, except for, you know, I don't want those uh, radical right-wingers. I don't want those radical leftists. I don't want them having free speech, by God. I want to have it. Do you, how do you see the world and, right. and what impact are you going to be leaving? Uh, in a recent podcast I did for the Backyard Millionaire, I talked about it. Um, well, a friend you and I both know, Kipper McGee, as a consultant, he once told me, and of course, I should have clarified in the podcast that I don't wear high heeled shoes, but I didn't. Ah, I'll have to go back and post and, and <laughs> fix that. But he said, imagine that, that a woman is walking across a linoleum floor wearing a platform heel, not going to make an impression with the focus of a stiletto heel she'll leave a mark in the linoleum. And I think that's the, that's the guiding principle of my life has been, what is my philosophy? A long time ago, I was probably 15 or 16 years old, I came to a conclusion that everybody is an artist in what they do if they choose to see it that way. If you choose to see what it is you do as an art form, you'll bring something different to it than just showing up as a clerk in a hardware store with a grumpy look on your face. I can't wait till five o'clock. I once ran across a, a secretary's computer um, and it, a chat room had been left open in the early days of social media and, and a message had been sent and I, I wasn't snooping. It was a public computer. I said, I can't wait to get out of here. Oh my God, is it five o'clock yet? I was thinking, oh my Lord. Put yourself into your work, whatever it is you do, and become an artist with it such that when you're gone or you're elevated or you're promoted out of that position, 
you're missed and they will, right. we will miss you. You know, this article, and you just touched on it earlier, he, he talks about the life philosophy and he does break it up into two parts. He says the first is how you see yourself, which we deal with a lot on this program, right? Uh, you know, in our segments with you on this program, we deal with a lot of how you see yourself. And the second is how you see or interact with others in society. And sometimes that may get lost on what we're talking about because, you know, we're talking so much about self-help or self-evaluation or self this or self that. But we have to, you know, how do you see other people around you? Do you see them as stepping stones or do you see them as helpers? Do you see them? as co is uh, is cohorts and and partners in what you're doing um and do you want to give them the same freedom the same liberty the same opportunity that you've had or as you said do you want it to be oh it's all it's all good for me except for no no that's mine don't don't touch that that's my stuff um that's that's i mean to me that spoke loudly to me in this article i agree i i had the pleasure of interviewing uh, an author and motivational speaker named John Gordon a few years ago. And John's got 20 something books out there. His most famous one is called the energy bus. And he's well known in the speaking world and in, in, in uh, business philosophy and things like this. He, he's brought all over the country and around the world to speak into businesses. And I, I said, John, I said, you, and because he's incredibly optimistic, he's incredibly positive. His message is uplifting and he's never seen him without a smile on his face. And I said, John, you have to be one of the most in, most positive people on the planet. In fact, he's written books called like the positive team and positive leadership and so forth. And he goes, Chris, it's funny. I work at it every single day. When I told my father I was going to become an author, he said, I bet you'll fail. And he goes, this is what I grew up with. My father was a cynic. My father beat me down emotionally, not physically. And, you know, he goes, so I fight every single day, said John, to come out of that cloud, come out from under that cloud. And all I'm doing is teaching what I need and speaking about what I need. And I really resonated with that because with, say, for example, my On Top of the World radio program, we constantly are talking about positivity and optimism and can do and what, what can you do for yourself, all these kinds of things and success and where to find it and what it looks like. And it can sound like, oh, you, you think you've got it all figured out. Mm, anything couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, it's a constant search. Just like John said, I only speak about what it is that I need. And looking at the world through those eyes, I'm constantly reminded that, oh, what else could this mean? For example, if you say to me, uh, or, you know, if, if somebody sees the world as racist, they see everybody is a racist. They're blinding themselves to the opportunity to grow themselves because maybe we're not against you because of your skin color, orientation, or what have you. Maybe it's how you're behaving. Maybe it's what you're doing or not doing. Maybe it's how you're approaching the world. And when you see it that way, you think, wait a minute, oh, am I limiting my growth by being a victim to others' oppression when, in fact, they don't see me that way or they don't see themselves that way? So what else could this mean is a very powerful question to ask when you're thinking about other people and what they have to say. Right. Uh, he goes on to say, liberty is a life philosophy, offers so much that makes life fulfilling that we owe it to ourselves to be effective exemplars and spokespersons for li for liberty as a life philosophy. And I, I couldn't agree more with that. And then he goes on for the top 10 things that, uh, that you need, like a, a well-worn top 10 list. What are the ones that stuck out with you here as we wrap things up? Oh, the, the top, what do you need? 
Right. I mean, get motivated to learn, to be optimistic, to use humor, to raise questions, to show that you care, to seize the moral high ground. All these things that can be utilized and and emphasized in creating a a life philosophy that encompasses liberty and shows that every day. Yeah. Okay. The most important thing to me is purpose is essentially not or not that I, I seek and find exactly what I'm you know, my purpose needn't align necessarily with the most uh, high economic return in the world. No, what is it that makes my heart sing? What is your purpose? What is living on purpose? What does it mean to you? Because I, I've said for 15 years on my own show, you were born on purpose and with a purpose. And I truly believe that. Uh, I, I also love that he wove Christianity into his article, the fact that he is Christian and how it influences his life. Um, and it just makes me think again about, you know, say my friend Ray Clapp, he didn't come at you with that, but you knew where he stood philosophically, you knew where right. he stood uh, ethically, morally, religiously, everything uh, just by how he lived. And so to me, that's, I think, what's your purpose? That's the most high fundamental question you could probably ask yourself today. The top two things that came out of me on this list of 10 that he laid out was one number nine, which was don't demand total and immediate acceptance. I mean, you run into people who, you know, that you don't agree with and immediately, you know, they're a pariah or you're a pariah uh, or anything else. I mean, you've got to work with people. You've got to uh, you've got to engage with people who philosophically are opposed with you. That doesn't mean that you have to agree with their point of views. It means that you love them as people and that you find some kind of common ground. And his number 10 was make allies and not enemies, which I think is kind of a subset of the previous one, which is, you know, none of us came out of the womb with uh, a high X road to serfdom in our hands or any von Mises treaty or a, a Lysander Spooner uh, essay in our hands saying that we are the end all be all. We've got to make we've got to make allies. We shouldn't make enemies. We should we should work to convince people in a way and not just jettison them because they don't believe exactly the way that we believe. Um, we can disagree with them, and it doesn't mean that you have to abrogate your principles or anything else. But yeah. the, but you have to. That that's how you that's how you convert people. That's how you bring people around to your way of thinking is that you love them regardless of what their faults or philosophies are. We're all flawed human beings, uh, but you've got to find something that you can get common ground on and work from there. And to quote Stephen Covey on that, I think he'd put it in a sentence. Seek first to understand, then be understood. No, I agree. I think those are uh, that, that that's all good. This life uh, life uh, excuse me, liberty is a life philosophy article is up at fee.org. I've posted up links in the chat room for anybody who wants to uh, take a look at it. It is a very good article, and Chris, I'm glad you took the time with us today to dissect it. Thank you very much. Where can people find you quickly? I love homeralaska.com. Everything I do is right there. Everything you do, the Backyard Millionaire podcast, the On Top of the World radio bits, and, of course, his radio show every Tuesday and Thursday on the stations down in their peninsula. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Folks, we got one more segment coming up. I think we'll just open up the phone lines. That's all I, that's all I can do right now. That's all I got. Uh, we'll open up the phone lines and see what you guys have to say. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Um, there we go. I guess we uh, need to come back over here. And then I need to start the uh, phone lines to see what you guys uh, have to say this morning. Uh, 
to see what your take is on the world and everything else. I got way too many windows open here. Let me uh, let me close up all this stuff. All right, here we go. Damn. Okay. Sorry, just maxed. Thanks out. for calling the call-in line of the mic. Whoa. Uh, sorry. So if you guys just got the little uh, ear blast or whatever, I apologize. My phone systems try to take control of everything in my computer when I launch it. All right. Um, let me go up here to see what you guys have to say. Liberty has been taken for granted. It requires vigilance and hard work. Well, I mean, Franklin talked about that. Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. That's, uh, that is it right there. Can you please repost the article, says DeShana. Uh, okay, I will repost it one more time in all the streams. There you go. Everybody gets it one more time. Liberty as a life philosophy from Lawrence Reed. Okay. All righty. Uh, one more thing here. I'm going to log in and get, uh, get the phones all working and all, uh, Squared away. Make sure everybody is ready, willing, and able to do that. All participants are muted. Oh, look at that. You guys are all muted now. So we're all squared away. Phone lines are ready, uh, and we will take your phone calls if you would like to do it. Uh, 907-433-3150. If you want to call in and sound off this morning, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say on any of this stuff. Um... And so we'll go back over here and see what else you guys want to say here. Um, uh, let's see. Wine, wine, complain, wine. All right. Got that already. Uh, Michael Shower says, where does mandatory vaccines fit into freedom and liberty? I don't think it does. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't think it does. I, I, again, that's why um, I said earlier that I think that I'm all for vaccines, but mandatory means nothing. There is no mandatory. Uh should not be part of that conversation. Uh, let's see. Um, are those donation amounts on the Alaska Republican Party website, says Rick? I don't think so. This was an email. I don't know if those amounts are there, um, but um, I will uh, um, – I, I could post them uh, here later on. I could throw those things out there, and I'll post them up on the Facebook page so people can take a look at them and they can uh, – See it for themselves. See it for themselves from this email from uh, Ron Johnson. Okay. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the program, uh, Frank uh, Tomaszewski is going to be with us, and he's going to talk with us about his run for the race in the interior. And then we're going to talk with State Senator Mike Shower in Hour 2 for the Shower Hour of Power on Thursday we're going to be with, uh, see, Sarah Vance is going to be joining us in hour one. And then uh, we're going to have Elijah Verhagen with us in hour two. Uh, and then on Friday, I'm working on some guests and we'll see if we can get a guest on Friday for Firearms Friday. But it's going to be a busy, it's going to be a busy week. We've got a lot of things to go over and a lot of things to discuss. So it will be a good discussion uh, overall, and of course, we'll try and fit in the tomorrow is supposed to be the final number rundown for the election for rank choice and everything. And so we'll have a better idea tomorrow after the show it won't be during the show, but after the show, 
we should have some kind of idea. So that means Thursday, we'll probably spend the first 15 minutes on Thursday going over those election results and seeing where we lay out when it's all said and done. Um, <clears throat> all right. Um, three-way. Shower McCabe and MD is what uh, Rick says. Uh, is that what you want? You see, you want to see a three-way discussion between Shower and McCabe and myself? Well, we might be able to do that. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. That would be that would be like a roundtable discussion with because Shower is my senator and McCabe is my representative. That would be like a three way conversation with a constituent. Maybe that's what we maybe that's what we do. It's not the Shower Hour of Power. It's the conversation with a constituent. Yeah. Less than one month for the PFD payout, says Chris. Um, coming up. That's. Uh, it's nice to see. It would sure would have been nice if we had our full uh, our full PFD, huh? That would have been great. Um, um, I just, I'm sorry. I'm just Hawk just said I just got the Nova Vax that just came out. I waited this entire time for it. Is that a new? Is that a new vaccine? Is that what it is? It's a new vaccine. If so, good for you. Again, I'm not against vaccinations. If you wanted to get the vaccination, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm happy. I've got plenty of friends that have been vaccinated. Um, I just didn't think that it should have been uh, compulsory on the government's part. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, let's jump back into it here. We got uh, one line on hold. We're going to continue the conversation. The Michael Duke Show Common Sense Radio. Here we go. Okay, uh, welcome back to the program, and thanks for joining us. One final segment of the show today, of course, being brought to you this hour by your friends at Satellite West, Satellite Technical Services. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. When it comes to communications, regardless if it's uh, satellite or cellular or UHF, VHF, whatever, it's all right there. You can uh, you can do it, and uh, you can uh, find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. They've got all the info there. Uh, we're taking calls in this final segment because I deemed it so. That's what I decided. That's what it is. And so the phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say this morning, and uh, we'll uh, we'll finish up the show with your phone calls to see what you have to uh, to say this morning. So let's start over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Barbara Haney calling from North Pole, Alaska. Hello, Barbara. How are you? I'm doing well. And his, and you say his name is Tomaszewski. Tom Tomaszewski, <laughs> Tomaszewski. I have really you, you know what it is. Whatever. Yeah, I'm gonna. I. I. That's fine. Tomaszewski. I mean, there's no C H or F or yeah. anything else in there, but it's Tomaszewski. I'm sure that's exactly how it's pronounced. So. Thank you for correcting me on that. Well, I just uh, want to let you know there's, uh, I'm running for borough assembly, as you know, and tonight there is a fundraiser for both myself and Brett Rodermund, and it will be at the, at um, 2570 Pilot Street, home of, home of Rocky McDonald's out in Dale Road. Right. Uh, it'll be from 530 to 730 tonight. 
and right. we'll have yard signs and uh, the basic campaign stuff. And I tell you what, we could uh, you, we could use people's support. Yeah, no, really. absolutely. You and Brett, <laughs> you, you and Brett, uh, Brett had texted me and said he was thinking about it, and I encouraged him to uh, to jump on board. And uh, and I think you guys would be a good addition to uh, to the assembly. I think some good, you know, kind of business sense and some good conservative thought provoking values are what's needed in the Fairmax North Starboro Assembly right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and as you know, you know, you've been borough races here in Fairbanks. It's basically the size of the state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's much larger than any of these house districts. A lot of people times people right. tell me, oh, you're not in my district. It's like, no, you live in the borough. <laughs> That's yeah. your district. And the election's October 4th. So yeah, no, at large, really all those seats are yeah. at large, right? They're not districted seats. I mean, they say district on them, but they are at large seats. So yeah, good, uh, good stuff there. All right. So tonight, 530 to 730 at Rocky McDonald's house out on Dale Road. Right. All right. Well, it's Pilot Street. Pilot Street. All right. Pilot Street off Dale Road. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, Barbara. Thank you for calling in and sharing with us this morning. We appreciate it. That leaves uh, more lines open if you'd like to sound off. Again, 907-433-3150. We go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Carlene and Kodiak. Hello, Carlene. Um, hello. I have two items. Um, one is about the election from the Kodiak Daily Mirror yesterday about the state releases final unofficial primary results. The last two paragraphs, apparently the third place winner will be eliminated and the second choice vote of his will, will go. It says a winner won't be determined until after the state tallies the second choice votes on August 31. The second choice votes will determine who will fill the last four months of the seats following the death of Congressman Don Young. Right. The third place candidate will be eliminated and the votes redistributed to whoever is ranked second on a voter's ballot. Right. I'm sorry, Michael, I still don't get it, um, but I thought maybe you would be able to clarify that on a future show. And then about what... Uh, your friend and Homer talked about, I have people in my life that tell a lot of stories about me. And um, one person talks to himself all the years that I've known him. And another person, I think, was just trying to get my brothers, both of my brothers, uh, native dividends. So um, my daughter said, uh, Um, I'm sorry. How? What can I? What can you do about that? I said, well, they have the influence. Um, there's nothing I can do about it. I have no control over anybody what they say or do, and so I just put it into God's hands. Right. Um. And then, also, uh, I look native, um, so people are influenced by that also. I'm not a native that's white with blonde hair and blue eyes. And so I was even discriminated against in the churches back then. I have no control over that. And so my daughter said, 
how about then if you just live your life in such a way that people won't believe what is said of you? Right. So you just keep on keeping on. And um, all that I've learned is all I can do is just put things into God's hands. Right. Well, and that's, you know, and that's one way of saying, uh, Carlene, quite honestly, the thing that Chris and I have been talking about for a long time, the one thing that we have control of in this life. And there's many things that we don't. You just pointed out some of the things that people say, the things that people do. The one thing that we have control of is how we react to those circumstances, how we react to the slings and arrows or how we react to the joys uh, that come to us. That's the one thing we can control. And uh, saying that you turn it over to God is just one way of saying, I'm you know, that that you're, you're dealing with it, that that's how you're dealing with it. You turn it over. Maybe you turn it back around. Maybe you uh, come back with a positive. There's, you know, it is the only thing uh, that we can control, Carlene, is our reaction to the circumstances and to the people around us is the only thing that we have absolute control over. And sometimes that's hard for people to understand and it's hard for them to deal with. But in the end, I have found that even, you know, even with me getting upset about things or whatever, that in the end, I can only control my reaction to it or my 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 actions based on circumstances. I can't control anything else. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I I'm OK with that. And sometimes it helps if you pull away for a little while and you take time to heal and, um, of course, forgive. You forgive all along, but sometimes you just need to pull away. Yeah, no, I agree. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you need to get back um, to me. You know, stepping out into nature, enjoying the ocean, taking a long drive, uh, having that quiet time to myself to ponder and think. You know, sometimes you do. Sometimes your immediate reaction is not the right one. Sometimes you need to think about it and come back. But ultimately, we are responsible for the only one thing, and that is how we react to things. And you're 100% right on that. Carlene, thank you so much for your call today. I appreciate it. I think that's a good note to leave it on today. I mean, I'm, I'm still agitated, but... You know, it is what it is. All we can do is fight. All we can do is fight the fight. How do I react to it? Well, I'll give more time. I'll give more money. I'll give more recognition to those that I think deserve it. That's what I think I will do. What are you going to do? You got to do something. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Be kind. Love one another. All right. We are out of time for today. And we are jumping uh, jumping into it here tomorrow, first things first. With um, uh, Tomorrow we're going to be joined by Frank Tomaszewski. I don't, yeah, I know. I, I, I screwed it up. What can you say? I screwed it up. We'll have that tomorrow, then Mike Shower, And, of course, don't forget, on Monday, this coming Monday, I will be off the air. So that's where it's going right now. All right, my friends, we are out of time. We will see you tomorrow. I hope you guys have a great day. Just enjoy yourself. Be kind, love one another, and uh, live well. We will see you tomorrow.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.